Welcome, this is Humans of SDU and we are here, as every Wednesday, with a new episode. This time we will talk about a school research on the ongoing corona lockdown and about whether sex is a taboo in Danish society. Your today's host will be Anna and Martin. Join our talk with Stine. Hello Stine, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, thank you very much for having me. And thank you very much for coming. Yeah, we're really glad we can spend these days together with you now. It actually is something we could start with straight away because uh, you do a pro- school project with your with your group, with your friends, where you actually examine how people behave in under this lockdown, which is happening all around Denmark right now. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Um, it's the part of my study. I study market and management anthropology at STU in Odense. So it's just simply just about doing field work. Um, it's an anthropological field. Um, we analyze people, basically. We, it sounds weird to say we watch them, um, but we kind of do. We observe the way that they act and the way that they speak to each other and stuff like that and analyze and how in this situation that corona and the virus has well affected all of us and do you have any interesting insights from from the survey um my group has chosen to start with the campus collegio um right next to the campus stu university um where we've simply started looking at people and the way that they have interacted. We've especially been looking at whether their shopping patterns have changed and what news outlets they're listening to. And if those two things are correlated and also against maybe their nationality. Um, and then, you know, do people feel isolated? So, yeah, we have found some quite interesting stuff about how people Um, and especially the news that they choose to listen to is very correlated. The people that seem to be panicking the most are the ones that listen the most to social media and the pop-up links that happen there. And yeah, we're quite early in the process still, so we still need to analyze a whole lot of stuff. But so far, that seems to be the main correlation. That sounds like a very interesting finding. Uh, how many answers have you managed to collect so far? Like roughly? We've had um, nine interviews over Skype because we can't meet people in person. Corona seems to be yeah, getting in the way of everybody's time these days. Um, but then we also put out a, a survey at their, um, what's it called, campus Facebook page, yeah. a close group, where they got back to us, 43 people, I think, um, answered our survey. So that's what sixteen percent of the population of the dormitory. That's a nice percentage um, to do some analyzing on. Uh, yeah, that sounds like it's something you can already make some judgments from. Yeah. So, what's the overall mood? What's the what's the energy in the campus right now? Oh God, they are stressing. Do you mean the the students living here? They are stressing. Yeah. It's, really. I think. The majority of what we've found so far is people have responded to being, well, I'm not gonna, well, stressing might be a big word, but they are definitely affected because they feel their everyday life has been torn away from underneath them. Um, there's a lot of freedom 
that is gone. And I think that affects a lot of people in different ways. Some people feel isolated, um, quite lonely, because they might be self-isolating, quarantining in their room. So even though at Campus Click you live on like floors of 24 people and have like common kitchens and all of that, there's still some yeah, people sitting in the corner thinking, I can't just go home, I can't just do what I usually do, I'm not seeing my friends, and that affects people, like, as it would, you know. So the social aspect, that the, the idea that they cannot see their friends, is it the most common answer that you're getting? It's the freedom and the boredom that comes with it. There are way too many hours of the day and people have no idea what to do. That's true. Maybe it's also about the expectations. Because before I thought, okay, I will have a lot of time for studying and stuff like that. But, well, I spend much more time doing pretty much anything else than studying. Yeah. Oh, I know that for myself. Even though we're doing this project, I'm still just... I can leave transcribing, which is when you take an interview audio and write it down word for word. I can leave that, you know, it's fine. You know, it doesn't have to be turned in yet. All those things, it's, it's kind of stupid, not gonna lie. We have so much time these days and still you're just pushing it so far out. It's kind of interesting uh, mentality. I think most people share this kind of thing too. We all have this idea of I'm gonna be so productive and then all of a sudden you're sat there with all this time and you're thinking, how is 24 hours ever going to be filled out? How am I ever going to do anything? And then you end up doing nothing. And then it's just a vicious circle. But you said you managed to collect like various nationalities also. Do you, can you tell any difference there? Not so far. No. Um, well, I guess the, the biggest part nationality wise is that the borders close so quickly overnight. And there's a lot of people who couldn't go home all of a sudden and you're hearing that from all over the country you know people who are like i should have gotten out or people who are like i'm glad i'm here so a part of our respondents yeah the part of our questionnaire especially is also whether people chose to stay at the dormitory or they were forced so to say to stay there but you cannot say that there are, for example, Danes are more relaxed than internationals. You don't see any pattern there. Not really, not yet, at least. Um, but the internationals seem to be the ones who have a bigger focus on what's happening in the world than the Danish students. Um, the Danish students seem to be more like, what are we doing here, and what can we do, and whereas the internationals are usually getting news and information from wherever they're from. Um, and therefore have a bigger perspective of like what's going on in the world. Yeah, I guess it's true because we always tend to compare it like, okay, what's the numbers now in the Czech Republic? Yeah. How about Denmark? How many new cases? Yeah, yeah we hear that a lot actually. Like people, oh, this is how they're doing it back home. Um, how are you planning to use the results that you're getting? Except, Do you have any other plans except for handing in your project? Um, not really, actually. We're just going to do it in this project. Um, a lot of the information is confidential. I can't give you any like precise data uh, or people's uh, statements. Um, and the same goes for publishing it, basically. So we have to get all the statements from the people, again, saying that we can publish it. Um, 
but no, it's just a school project, really. It's a midterm. Um, it's quite a big midterm job, but it's a midterm nonetheless. Yeah, yeah well, it sounds like a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to imagine we're only one group out of God knows how many in our year, in our study, yeah, studying all different kinds of majorly how corona has affected people around the country and the world. And how do you personally uh, feel in this situation? Well, I went home to my parents to not stay at my dormitory because um, I didn't want to lock myself up all alone. Um, so I went home to the countryside. My parents are from Jutland. I'm from Jutland. So I went home and currently I'm just spending time with my family and my siblings and we watch all the press conferences live because it's so massive and it's so wild that this is happening to us like right now um, and it's kind of a major conversation all the time I'm texting my friends from all over like how are you doing how are you doing are you coping and I have a lot of friends in healthcare different kinds and they're all like yeah we're on the wait list to maybe go do the emergency emergency stuff and like yeah it's just kind of getting to everyone so I would definitely feel the stress of like not knowing the future mm. so is that what makes you most nervous oh yeah definitely like so far we only know until the 13th yeah but who knows what's gonna what's gonna be done that's right and how are you spending your days what makes you busy personally right now doing this project Really? It's the the main point. Um, besides that, what what do I do? I'm not even gonna lie, I don't do much. I try to read, try to keep on top of my other classes. It's not working out that great, but I will do it. Um and then I help my two little sisters with their schoolwork because they're also working from home now. Mm. So we're just having a big community school here in the kitchen. Yeah, and does it like does it help you being surrounded by family like that you have at least some company, someone to talk to, someone to uh, play with? You said you have little sisters. Yeah, oh definitely. Um, I'm used to a big family, always. So um, being having to be isolated or possibly quarantined in my own apartment that would have been that would have driven me crazy. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, that would have been the absolute downfall of my mental health. Um, as, as I think it would be for a lot of people if they had to be basically locked up by themselves for that long. So it was very, yeah, I chose it very quickly to go home. Uh, it was what, Wednesday, couple week, two ago, where it was the whole, yeah, the schools are gonna close and the borders gonna close, the whole thing. I immediately called home with like, yeah, I'm coming home because this is not going to be fun for anyone and it's going to last a while. You're listening to Humans of SDU. Today's guest is And uh, besides, if we skip this uh, this topic and move to, well, let's say, maybe completely different one, you are also being a volunteer. Yeah, I am. Uh, in an organization, I forgot the, the name. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was Danish, all right? So yeah, I'm not even Danish trying to... thing, you know? Yeah, it's called Sex Asamfun. 
which means Sex and Society. Um, it's a it's an organization that is basically on a state level um, where it does all of our sex education in Denmark. Um, all the information and all of the tools that the teachers get to do sex education in the public schools um, is from sex or something and we do well all the materials and all the educational videos and all those things and then besides that we are also groups all around the country that do these exhibitions for example of this year we did an exhibition called Bar which in English would mean naked bodies or just bodies. It's the same word, bar, um, which um, portrayed absolutely ordinary bodies just taken in their natural habitat, I was about to say, um, with every strand of body hair and stretch mark and ounce of fat and, you know, everything that makes a body just a body. Um, and we, we yeah, we had it up for four days, I think, um, where it was open to the public at night, but open to the schools during the days. And it was simply just so that there would something would happen in Ulmse, and that we could show people that bodies are allowed to be just bodies, and nobody should comment, and we should get a really healthy view from the kids. Um, into what a body should look like and that edited bodies as you see in adverts and wherever on Instagram um, aren't real. That a healthy view on what your body should look like is not, maybe not influenced best by what you see in everyday life these days. Why have you joined such an organization? Like what, what, where did the idea came from? It started way back, I think, when I was like 12 or something. And oh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while where I started like, oh, I really want to join them because I think what I saw in my sexual health classes was so interesting um, because I thought the teachers that I had who had to give us all this information were so intelligent and in the way that they did it. And all the stuff that they did it with, all the tasks and weird ways to teach kids about sexual health and sexuality, um, it was so good and I was so in awe of them. So I started thinking, can I do that? Can I be the person standing in front of kids? Then I found out you had to have an education to do that, but you know, I could at least do my part. So the moment I moved to Unse, which is quite a bigger city than where I'm from. I joined like immediately. It was one of the first things I did just to be a part of creating something better for kids, I think. Because there are so many who have so many issues with their sexuality and their body and everything that comes with being a teenager or maybe not feeling like you fit in right now. And I really wanted to do my part um, in having kids not feel that way ever. Um, so yeah, I joined because I wanted to make the world a better place to be very cliche, I think. Um, 
there are so many people in the world who need more um, than they have in whatever shape or form, information or just food. And I think we are so lucky and blessed to be living here and have this level of education that we're getting um, for free. We have so much time on our hands, especially now during Corona, that we can help so many people if we just get up off our lazy asses and think of other people, you know? So what exactly is your role there? What do you do? I'm a very simple volunteer. Um, we sit down. So do you have to set up the positions or? Um, it's very homogenous group. Like we only have one, so to speak, leader who's uh, our contact with the main organization. And the rest of us are just footmen. We all have a say. We sit around a round table and we come up with ideas and then we agree on how to do it. It's um, it's very straightforward and like anyone can join. We just, yeah, we just want to make a difference. I think everybody there come from very different backgrounds. We have midwives and people studying all kinds of medicine and all these things. And we just come together and think, how do we do this? There's a main goal, which is sex assembly and the organization. But then who, how, what do we want to do? Yeah. How it really looks like like the, when, you, when you go together with the kids, it's like only you are standing there saying, I don't know, it's okay the way you look. And maybe I'm, I'm making it like very simple, but that must be. Like as a volunteer, we don't get to be in front of the kids because you have to have enough education to do that. But we do have a lot to do with like in the organization they want a lot of information from us and the things that we see out in the world as being the young people so the majority of it is just us seeing the trends on social media and seeing the the way that parents react to us for example we sometimes uh, give out condoms or stuff like that um and the way that parents react to us or the way that kids react to us says a lot about their I'm not gonna say ability but their willingness maybe to talk openly about sex safe sex bodies uh, and such so we kind of in some way report back to the main organization so that they have more of an idea they have a lot of analyzing stuff on their own surveys etc so they've definitely got theirs going. And we're more like the footmen of that, how to implement it. And we get a lot of stuff sent from them um, about the Greek sex every year, um, where the kids are all over the country are basically having sexual education at the same time. And we get all the same stuff that they get. And then we do all of our um, sexual education for more in people's faces on the streets um, and like that's the bar club uh, exhibition or sharing condoms with people sharing condoms giving out condoms for probably <laughs> <laughs> that's better <laughs> almost English 101 yeah, yeah. we are going to clarify that 
<laughs> yeah, giving out condoms because a lot of people are scared to buy them still. Like, and what's the trend? Do parents talk with their kids about sex? Oh, that was the theme this year, actually, also. Um, whether parents actually talk to their kids. Yeah, it was um, quite different parent to parent. We were trying to flag down some parents standing in the uh, bus central, the station. Um, and some of the parents didn't want to look us in the eye the moment that they saw our t-shirts. Like, they're from Sekisamfunt. We cannot at all go anywhere near those guys. Um, but also at the same time, there were parents that like really wanted to talk to us because they were like bringing their teenage kids along and like these guys are the ones you should be asking stuff about. And ah, okay. <laughs> so they give the responsibility to you. <laughs> really, like there's a lot of people who think that we have all the answers and that the um the sex education that they get in school is enough. To a lot of kids, that is enough. Like they get all their basic information but a lot of times kids have more of a want to all this knowledge that is out there and some kids get their main sexual education from porn which can be quite damaging because that's not real anyone who's seen it knows that that's maybe not the best place to know stuff about how to practice safe sex um so yeah so the parents basically look at us either with absolute disgust and kind of embarrassment, I think, because we start to ask the difficult questions, like, do you know how to talk to your kids? So what do you personally perceive like the maybe nowadays biggest issue or think uh, that is like maybe negative connotation considering the, the sex education and the sex in general? I think the main taboo is sexuality. If you're anything but straight, it's different. Um, and having this idea of uh, a status quo that is one thing and everything else is different is quite dangerous because that means people have to come out and that means that people have to be seen as other or check the other box in surveys or stuff like that. So I think the moment that gender and sexuality is talked about more, there's a lot of things that will be solved quite quickly in the ways that people have issues with who they are in general. Did you have to get used to talking about these things? I'm, I'm from a very overtly open family. Like, we are out there. Um, so I think it was quite easy for me to be the one talking about it. And it was quite nice to find other people that were willing to talk about it, um, all the different aspects of it, um, both sex and porn and gender and sexuality and bodies, etc. cetera, um, in a very clinical way, so to say. Like talking about sex does not have to be sexy. Like it can be very straightforward um about like are you okay like what is normal what is not normal if you don't have a well a basis line of what's normal and your main normal comes from things like porn and tv then your whole idea of sex and body etc 
becomes quite screwed um, because real is maybe not what you're gonna get from those places. So I think a very open conversation is very natural and should be very natural because how else are you supposed to know whether that hair that's growing on that weird place on your body is natural or not if you can't like maybe google it at a weird forum on the internet thank god for the internet these days but you know talking to your friends like why shouldn't you be able to ask why should it be a taboo well Stina, thank you very much for joining us for the talk today it was really enjoyable and inspiring absolutely yeah thank you so much that's it for today thank you for listening and if you are wondering what else you could do during the lockdown check out our social media instagram and facebook where you can find a lot of inspiration have a great week and see you at the